Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Next Level. Today we have a very special interview with Dr. Mike Trexler of Bioenergetic Wellness Center up in Colorado. He's a doctor of homeopathic wellness, nutrition. He knows a lot about pretty much everything in the health and wellness area. And I have been learning from him as well as going to him for nutrition advice for the past four to five years I believe so he's a really great great guy in this episode we dive into we dive into nutrition for athletes what they could should be focusing on sleep as well as stress uh, and how the body reacts as well as what things that you can do to help get your body back to its main kind of homeostasis uh, to be working the best that it can. So with that being said, hope you enjoy this episode and let me know what you think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. All right. Well, All with right. that being said, let's, so hello everyone. Um, welcome to another episode. Uh, today I'm joined by Dr. Mike Draxler of Bioenergetic Wellness Center. Um, Mike, if you'd like to introduce yourself and what you do, so everyone can kind of get to know you. Sure. So, yeah. Hi, Garrett. Uh, so my name is Dr. Mike Traxler. I, I am the founder of Bioenergetic Wellness Center, and we have a physical location in Colorado in Evergreen up in the mountains. I used to practice down in Texas for about 15 years around the Dallas area and uh, basically graduated as a chiropractor back in 2003 from Parker College and then have spent all these years since uh, really studying and learning nutrition, homeopathy and natural medicine um, and different lifestyle habits and upgrades that people can do to really achieve optimal health. That's awesome. So with that being said, we'll kind of get started right into it. Um, we'll kind of be focusing this around uh, athletes, nutrition, and that general uh, topic. So what are your thoughts on foods that athletes could eat in order to improve their performance? So when it comes to foods, there's... Uh, there's a lot of uh, variables, right? So we have different quality of, for example, the same type of food like vegetables or fruits could be really good quality or it could be really bad quality depending on where you're sourcing them from, uh, what they've been sprayed with, uh, you know, where they've been grown, that kind of stuff. So in regards to athletes, um, what most athletes are really looking for is I find is really a easily digestible uh, form of food that turns into the basic amino acids as easily as possible with which the body repairs itself. Uh, working out does cause a lot of uh, cellular you know, breakdown, damage to the muscle tissues, and it needs to be repaired quickly. So what, what kind of specifics would you like to get into on that? Um, what kind of uh, – do they – should athletes focus more on high carb, low protein, uh, percentage wise of the macros? What, what should we kind of be shooting for? So what I tell all my patients is really just 
focus on eating live foods in the sense that they're not processed. Uh, that would include a lot of fruits, a lot of uh, vegetables, and definitely some protein for most people. Uh, however, the proteins need to be sourced correctly to actually provide the good essential fatty acid balance within them, uh, such as grass-fed beef, for example, versus conventional raised, uh, things like that. Uh, balanced diet, my favorite. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of people going on like an Adkins diet or necessarily doing a strict keto diet. A lot of them when they follow these certain diets, they really lack um, necessary nutrients that they should be getting from different parts of the food or different parts of uh, their diet, I should say. So uh, what's your opinion on fats? Because there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to that topic. Uh, do we need them? So again, try, yeah, we definitely need them. Uh, Fats are, in fact, the building blocks uh, for hormones and things like that to balance in our body. So without them, we have uh, a lot of other issues that can result. Uh, there are, again, just focusing on which ones are minimally processed, right? So, for example, margarine, um, or I can't believe it's not butter or things like that, are extremely processed. That's why they're not good for our bodies. However, when you look at something like grass-fed butter, uh, that could be a great source. It's a great um, fat to cook with because it can really withstand a high heat point. Uh, olive oil uh, is also excellent. However, it's not the best one to cook with. It tends to denature at a lower heat point, um, causing trans fat. So keeping that in mind, is is important also definitely like the avocados um you know certain nuts and things like that are also great sources wild caught cinnamon for example all that so do you ever think someone could have too much of fats or proteins what i find a lot these days is that people have a challenge in actually assimilating and digesting the fats and that stems to a lot of uh, issues with poor bile quality that is actually a result of a lot of liver toxicity, typically. Uh, when I work with uh, clients, we tend to find a lot of, uh, it could be mold issues, it could be parasitic issues that are actually um, affecting the liver and the gallbladder. So for those, we sometimes uh, have to work a lot on that uh, detoxification to get their bile quality back up so they can actually digest those fats again. And also I'll mention that plays a huge role in how easily their body or poorly their body is actually assimilating protein because proteins do require a lot of acidity in the stomach to actually break them down uh, as well as to be able to absorb minerals uh, to break the ionic bonds in the, in the foods that we're eating to get the minerals out. If we have poor bile quality, over time our stomach actually inhibits its acid production uh, because the bile is designed to actually buffer the stomach acid. 
so if it wasn't able to buffer it, it would burn our small intestine, which is supposed to be more of an alkaline environment. And uh, that's why liver health quality is extremely important. So, so how would you, um, what are some ways that you could go about promoting li liver health um, and your uh, bacteria in your stomach and intestines? Number or some, some like foods that you'd want to eat uh, to help with that. Yeah. So, so when you look where the liver is positioned in our body, in our digestive tract, it actually empties into the gut. So if people are not having, for example, healthy, regular bowel movements, like, you know, a couple a day, two to three a day, ideally, then that really inhibits the function. So that's something to be really mindful of. So ensuring that you're pooping, you know, things like that. Uh, also eating a lot of like supportive food for the liver, such as um, kale is excellent. You know, other dandelion greens, things like that are excellent. Uh, there's definitely a lot of toxins in food that obstruct liver health. So it's about eating clean, right? Eating not processed foods and not exposing ourselves to needless chemicals like cosmetics and uh, other issues that we find all over. So kind of, you don't really need to focus so much on counting calories as everyone says, you just got to eat clean and your body will positively react that way. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As long as you're eating, when I look at people's diet logs, I always really find what's missing. That's kind of where I like to focus. Uh, a lot of people, they tend to go on a very sort of limited diet. Uh, and I find that their body really gets depleted of very vital nutrients that they might not have thought of or whoever invented this diet to quite, you know, <laughs> keep it. Realize. So, um, with that being said, um, so you'd say in general, the best way to help your body perform better is just eating right. Eating right is extremely important, and, and yeah, so eating organic, you know, avoiding the GMOs, things like that, uh, genetically modified, you know, foods they have the glyphosate in them, right? So they're sprayed with Roundup. That's, that's a really detrimental uh, toxin for our body because it literally is an antibiotic. And what happens to the microbiome in our gut is it gets filled off with that. Uh, we desperately need the microbiome in our gut to break down food. And that's, you know, if we're unable to, then you can be eating great, you know, healthy choices but you're not able to actually digest them. So it's, yeah, it, it's kind of pointless here. People throw a lot of money away on these healthy foods that they can't digest. Mm -hmm. So how would you find out, you know, which, is it just properly sourcing where you buy your foods to avoid the chemicals? It is, yes. And uh, we really are a fan of uh, shopping at places like Natural Grocer, for example, where they, all of their produce that they sell is organic. Um, you know, even if you go to Whole Foods, there's still a lot of conventional stuff there. And then there's uh, there's little tricks you can kind of learn too. 
when you're looking at the UPC labels. And so I believe if my memory serves me right. Uh, there's like four is conventional if it starts with a four. Uh, eight, I believe, is um, I think those are the GMO ones, and the nines are the organic typically. Um, or those two might be flipped. Uh, don't quote me on that one. But you can look that up easily online. Uh, just something to be mindful of. So another thing uh, that's kind of been confused with a lot of people in my area is the importance of sleep. Um, what's your take on about how much an athlete should get for sleep? Is it important? Can you thrive on four hours of sleep like some people try to do so uh, quality over quantity right mm -hmm. uh, our bodies they tend to sleep in cycles uh, so typical average sleep cycle length is about 90 minutes right and it can vary usually anywhere between 90 to 100 minutes uh, per sleep cycle so when we sleep for example Four hours might not be an optimal uh, length of time to sleep because if you're setting an alarm and you wake up four hours after you fell asleep, you're actually interrupting that third sleep cycle, right? An hour and a half, three hours, and then you'd be at four and a half hours if you made it through that other one, right? Mm -hmm. So um, usually I like to shoot for... If people can, seven and a half hours is ideal. Um, you know, if they're sleeping really soundly and their, you know, their body doesn't need as much repair, then six hours it tends to be pretty good. Um, sleeping too much would be also detrimental. So people who sleep ten hours a day, that can actually cause a lot of other issues on the other end. So everybody's individual. It just depends on the sleep quality. One of the clues when we when we study like Chinese medicine, uh, we noticed that there's a lot of different like hours in the day and night with the circadian rhythm that attribute to um, different organs repairing. Mm -hmm. So one of the big clues that people can look for is like if, if you fall asleep and you tend to wake up around like 2 or 3 a.m. Well, that gives us a clue that there's potential issues with it, like the gallbladder, for example. Um, liver repairs around 11 to 1 a.m. and then uh, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., I should say. And then about 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. is typically uh, gallbladder time. So if people are waking up during those times, it can lead them to really clue in on certain organs that might need some support and then they'll find actually better quality sleep once you support those organs better and you support those organs by doing what so there's different foods uh, like also chinese medicine is really interesting because when you look at the uh, seasonal changes uh, you'll see that uh, for example, winter is the time for kidney, right? So there's a lot of like kidney repair and healing going on throughout the winter, which is important to eat the kidney-supported foods. Um, the heart is more like in the uh, in the summertime, 
and in the springtime we see a lot of um, liver. So that's why you also in nature in the springtime you'll see a lot of those cruciferous green, cold, hardy vegetables growing, the leafy greens like kale. <laughs> Uh, all that kind of stuff, and they can withstand still some of the cold nights, right, the cold temperatures, but that's on purpose, that's part of the design, uh, so we should actually eat those foods, because that is the time of the year that our liver likes to repair a lot and cleanse, so those, lo and behold, are the foods that actually support those functions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, my specialty is in bioenergetic medicine, so I deal a lot with uh, supplementation, with homeopathy, you know, other botanicals, nutritional supplements, which um, can be extremely useful for that. So another thing, um, kind of building off of that, is the effects of stress in athletes and people in general. Uh, what's your take on that? So stress is, uh, it comes in a lot of different forms, right? Uh, ultimately, stress causes inflammation in our body uh, to some degree. And it can be definitely in the form of emotions, you know, just uh, that kind of stress where job, you know, finances, family, you know, mm -hmm. boyfriends, you know, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Kids, you know. Um, but there's also... Um, stress less, you know, physical. So when we, for example, sit a lot in our bodies, like if we have a driving job and you sit for hours and hours upon hours, our body's lymphatic system doesn't get flushed. So that's another thing to really um, be mindful of and, and really make sure that our stress levels are going down on, on all those levels as well as toxins. So again, cleaning up our environment food-wise, our you know, air fresheners you use in your home, cosmetics, perfumes, uh, colognes, you know, all that stuff. Any perspirants, you know, if you're putting any perspirants, you're pretty much putting aluminum in your body, which plugs up a lot of stuff with the heavy metal toxicity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of different forms of stress. And what, what they all have in common is they cause a blockage in the body somewhere, in the flow. And, and that leads to dis-ease, which, um, if you want, I can kind of explain uh, homotoxicology to you and how that works. If you Yeah, absolutely. Your clients, yeah, might help out. So, okay, let me go through... All right, we'll go through this here. Here, I'll just, uh, I'll present this. Uh, sorry. Okay. There we go. Can you see my screen or no? Uh, no, I can't. Hold on. Let me change this. Okay. Here, one second. I'm going to have to share the screen so that you can see it. All right. A window. There it is. 
Okay. Can you see the screen now? Yes. Okay, excellent. So looking at this, um, all right, tell me when it loads up. It's still kind of loading here. Okay. You should yep. be able to see that. So ultimately, dis-ease is, is the result of a blockage in the flow that's somewhere in the body. Um, when I look at, like, you were talking about stress, and so these blockages are uh, the top three underlying issues are going to be the toxicities we talked about, deficiencies in things like nutrients, uh, sunshine, you know, water, all, all those kind of things. And then uh, abnormal psychology, so that uh, stress, right, like emotional psychological stresses uh there's when we look at toxins specifically there's uh heavy metals uh, really are the top three categories here are heavy metals environmental toxins and biotoxins right mm -hmm. now some of these can be in the form of uh all these here where you get the heavy metal toxicities you're looking at like mercury that can come from amalgam fillings um you know, other immunizations, things like that. Same with the aluminum fluorides in our water supply. Uh, we have uh, all the GMOs, glyphosate we talked about earlier. There's a lot of uh, spraying going on, pesticides, insecticides, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then mold is a really, uh, really interesting one because that's becoming extremely prevalent uh, as the underlying cause for a lot of people's ailments uh, so that could be the black mold that people see in their buildings or you know at work buildings whatever from water damage mm -hmm. and then others that come from like foods uh, so a lot of grains are contaminated with uh, with mold peanuts tend to be wheat corn oats rice all those and there's a whole bunch of others too uh, lots of parasitic issues can be happening. And what's interesting is mold and parasites, they both actually hold uh, anywhere between four to seven times their weight in other uh, metals, chemicals, retroviruses, things like that. So oftentimes when people have an overgrowth of these, it's because their body's toxic from other things. So they're kind of opportunistic um, microbes mm -hmm. now there's also like the toxic chemicals which would be solvents in the supplies you know plastics carpets you know all the all those kind of uh, fire retardants all that mm -hmm. prescription medications air fresheners all that and then other uh co-infections like the candida yeast limes bacterial overgrowth you know, the viruses and all that other stuff uh, a lot of people's guts are not optimal, so that's definitely kind of a place to start. Um, there's a lot of electromagnetic uh, radiation going on these days. Um, there's a lot of higher-powered towers being deployed everywhere, so that's another thing to be mindful of, and everyone pretty much owns cell phones. So uh, those can definitely disrupt our autonomic nervous system and our endocrine system. Mm -hmm. Now, there's the emotional shock and trauma, all that as well. Um, now, here we have uh, just a basic 
sort of history of like how our body is designed, the foundational pathways. Uh, looking at it on the left there, you'll see there's a gastrula that develops, and that's actually at the fourth week of gestation it formed. And that turns into different germ layers within the body that develop our neuroendocrine system, which is like the CEO of a company, right? Mm -hmm. And that would be our brain, brainstem, spinal cord, and your seven endocrine glands. The, it, it tells everybody else what to do, when to do it. Uh, the other side that forms is our gut. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the liver, we have the stomach, um, your pancreas, all that kind of stuff, and small intestine, intestine, all that. So that's like a maintenance department. It's responsible for tearing, you know, things, basically breaking them down and turning them into building blocks with which to repair our our bodies, you know, our, our buildings with, right? Mm -hmm. We also have primary filtration and drainage organs that develop, and that's like a maid service in a business. Um, these all have to work together in order to have a successful business, right? If they, if one of them goes on strike or, uh, you know, maid service quits, well, OSHA can come in and shut you down, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, or if the CEO goes on vacation, you know, let's say we have too much electromagnetic radiation, not letting our, our hypothalamus communicate, it can screw up a lot of signaling. In that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we look at drainage pathways, there's primary ones and there's secondary ones. So the primaries we talked a little bit about in regards to the colon, uh, there's also the liver, which we talked about drains into the colon or into the gut. Uh, there's also the kidneys and they're a huge filtration organ in our body. Uh, they actually help with the filtration of our lymph and the lymph is two to three times the volume of our blood, right? So it's a pretty significant uh, thing that is overlooked oftentimes. And with that, talking about foods, that's where you see a lot of the citrus fruits, the astringent fruits that support that, right? Um, movement. That's why exercise is so vital and uh, moving our bodies is essential because our lymphatic system doesn't have a heart to pump it around. So exercise is key. Also our lungs, again, you know, exercise and uh, just expelling toxins that way. Uh, some clues for people that, you know, your primaries might not be doing as optimal of a job are issues with the secondary pathways like the skin for people who have rashes, um, you know, acne, things like that happening. Those are big clues there. Uh, sinuses, you know, pressure in the sinuses or drainage, um, lots of mucus, that kind of stuff. And also reproductive organs uh, can be used. That's why a lot of uh, females have really painful cramping uh, during their cycles and things like that because their bodies really striving to expel as much as it can uh, during the opportunities it gets. Now, uh, this is that hematoxicology table I was going to describe for your, mm -hmm. your audience. And this was developed, uh, to give you a little history on it, back in the 50s by Hans Reckwick, 
and he actually described the movement of these toxins through our bodies and also he explained what happens if they don't uh, so these, these on the left here the ectoderm endoderm mesenchymal and mesoderm those are just fancy names for our outer skin inner skin fluids and the meat in our body right make sense mm -hmm. okay so in in the first phase of uh of this chart you see excretion right and excretion happens during out of those primary pathways we just talked about that would be like uh, peeing pooping sweating coughing sneezing that kind of stuff right uh if our body that move to a reaction phase and okay. in reaction you can think of pressure right? uh so that's where people can have those rashes the redness the swelling um maybe vomiting diarrhea headaches fevers right all of those are examples now if you think of a reaction it does take a lot of energy for our body to do that to actually initiate that uh response to try to get that blockage or that toxin out of our body mm -hmm. and when it does that uh, like let's say let's say we're already burnt out we're you know too tired so our body doesn't have enough rest enough relaxation or enough nutrients um to actually create that reaction right so naturally our body uh, resorts to the deposition phase and it says, I'm going to put this toxin somewhere over here, and I'm going to come back to it later when I have enough rest, relaxation, nutrition, whatever's needed to handle this. Um, another thing that leads to that phase, uh, to phase three deposition happening is, what are we taught? Like, growing up, it's like, if you have a fever, for example, what do you take? Uh, you either sleep, uh, sleep it out or um, medicine. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people are programmed to take medicine. So they take something like Tylenol, which is an antipyretic, to knock down that fever. Uh, or if you have, um, let's say, diarrhea, your body's trying to dump stuff. Well, what do you take? You'll take something to... Sodium yeah. to, right, to stop it mm -hmm. back up. So oftentimes we obstruct that reactive phase with just, you know, using certain products like that. Uh, but in the deposition phase, it's interesting because we wake up that next day and usually people don't change their habits overnight, right? So mm -hmm. they're eating the same, uh, we call it Franken food, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, the same processed kind of foods. Processed foods. Uh, they, have, they lather the same chemicals on themselves, you know, the makeups, the perfumes, the lotions, all these things. Um, they go into their, you know, toxic environments wherever they're working or whatever's happening and their body can't process the stuff from that day let alone the stuff it laid down the days before right mm -hmm. so it's where a lot of people end up with weight gain things like that because fat cells are actually some awesome storage lockers for toxins right so that's something to be mindful of with people who find that they've kind of packed on a few pounds right <laughs> So, it might be stress or um, yeah, yeah toxins or stress things like that and um what happens pretty quickly is it starts to actually cross the cell membranes 
and go inside the cells. And this is where it has to pass through the cell membrane, right? Well, cell membranes, if you took biology, are bilipid fat layers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a great hiding place for these toxins. And that uh, basically walls off the uh, cell from the outside world to where it can't excrete its own um, waste, its own, you know, pee and poop. We have little mitochondria, Golgi apparatus, all those different organelles within the cells, and they all produce waste. So it needs to be able to get out, right? Mm -hmm. Well, um, that quickly leads to the degenerative phase. And in degeneration, those cells, they can't receive nutrients from the outside world. So they just quickly fall apart. And that's where you see uh, a lot of like autoimmune type issues tend to develop. So we see, for example, some people just have heart attacks or fatigue, but others have like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, you know, those kind of issues um, that actually get diagnosed at that point, right? Or mm -hmm. lupus, things like that. Um, if people survive that phase, they and don't really change their lifestyle, then they end up typically moving into that fifth or sixth and final phase of neoplasm, which we all know as the uh, big dreaded C word, right? Mm -hmm. So does that make sense to you? Yes. Yes. So our bodies are, our bodies are designed to move to the right if we continue to bombard it with toxins and stress. If we work on those lifestyle modifications, getting that healthy, you know, exercise, eating right, all that, it starts opening up the pathways here that are supposed to be open. And our body naturally moves back to that left uh, phase to recovery, right? So that's, uh, that's really what we work with people on and uh, getting a good personal trainer is really important that knows what they're doing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so, can can you see me now again, or yes, uh, your presentation got turned off. Awesome. Yeah. So that helps out your your clients there. It absolutely, it does. I, re I really appreciate it. Um, I think that's about all the questions that I have uh, Great. for the podcast and whatnot. Awesome. So. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, one other thing that did come to mind for, for your audience in regards to the foods and things like that to eat. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that most people don't realize is, is looking at like fruits and vegetables. It's actually amino acids that give structure, right? So a lot of people have the misconception thinking that they need to eat protein to build their muscle, right? Mm -hmm. Well, interestingly enough, proteins are actually long chain amino acids, right? There, there are a whole bunch of amino acids linked together, kind of like um, if you look at children's little pop beads, you know, those little pop yep. bead bracelets. So eating really complex proteins all the time is actually hard on our digestive system. It expends a lot of energy, a lot of digestive enzymes to really cleave those uh, amino acids apart, really pop them off, right? To help rebuild our body. 
So that's why eating those good quality, you know, live like fruits and vegetables and things like that is also really key because it does actually help repair our muscles and tissue much more easily than having to break something down first and then put it back together to rebuild it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and All also right. protein powders, um, you know, a lot of them are those individual amino acids, but you got to be really, really careful on, um, well, not overdoing the amount of protein because it's hard mm -hmm. on the kids. And also be mindful of what additives are in there, what sweeteners. If there's things like aspartame, uh, that actually is a neurotoxin. It demyelinates the nervous system. So it literally eats the coating around your nerves away. Um, you know, not Probably not good long-term, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's also... Uh, there's also uh, like sucralose is sometimes used, right? Well, that kills off about half the microbiome in your gut. So trying to find one that's maybe unsweetened, you know? <laughs> yeah. Why like not taste as good, but it, it's, it'll be better for you in the long run. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. You bet. Yeah. So great. And then, uh, yeah, if anybody has any further questions, uh, you'll have obviously your contact information and, and I'll make sure to link yours. Um, you down. got it. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Have a, have a great day. You too. <laughs> Your clients up. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. So once again, if you have any questions, uh, you can email me at gmfitness9 at gmail.com. And if you have any questions for Dr. Mike Traxler, I will definitely link his email as well as his website that you can go visit. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I had fun. I hope you took some knowledge out of this and you can apply it to your everyday life. Uh, once again, all you stay healthy, stay safe, and have a wonderful day.